Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for Dodger Baseball. And that's right Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Mookie Betts. Craig left field. We're going to make big signings. We're going to make impact trades. I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? My name is Doug McCain, credential member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. We've got a jam-packed show for you, how the Dodgers could bring back Kike Hernandez if they wanted to. Justin Turner signs with the Toronto Blue Jays. Will he be the Dodgers manager one day? Also, Shohei Otani has a busy weekend. He wins another MVP award. He gives his speech in English. He's at Dodgers Stadium. He's working out. We got some clips from an upcoming interview we're going to drop about Chris Taylor and the Dodgers and his foundation. He's taking the plunge this Sunday at Dodger Stadium. More on that. So we'll drop some clips from that. But first, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Do me a huge favor. Join the party. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to support the channel, smash that like button. We just gave away a brand new Shohei Otani, number 17, authentic Dodgers jersey. We're going to be doing big giveaways all season long. Jerseys, tickets, giveaways. We are giving away tons of awesome Dodgers-related stuff this entire season. So be on the lookout for that. And to be eligible for our giveaways, all you have to do is make sure you're subscribed and you comment done down below in the comment section. But we have a jam-packed show, so we're going to get into it. But first, of course, i got to read some of your comments. we got Check Your Mic from Gus Perez. How's the mic going now? It's a low volume. I think we should be solid. Let's see. I got my phone volume all the way up, and it's still low. So let me know down below. Will you guys be out this weekend for Dodger Fest? That's from Steven Munoz. Jerry says volume is good now. So, okay, we are good to go. Why is Vladdy the cover of the show? Is that from Noel Sanchez? Because we were just talking about that, my good friend, the great Noel Sanchez. If you can see all the great social media on our social media channels, Dodgers Nation, Instagram, Twitter. He's the guy behind all of that, so give him a follow for sure. But we were just talking about that. I mean, you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I did not expect to see that. It's not like he had a peak Vladdy Guerrero Jr. year last season. I mean, I thought it was pretty much a mid a pretty much a mid choice. I mean, I like I trust me, I love me some Vladdy Guerrero Jr., but he's trending in the wrong direction. And yes, you had Shohei Otani on MLB The Show in 2022. But you know what the difference is? That version of Shohei Otani on the show featured him wearing an Angels uniform. Imagine him on the cover of the show with a Dodgers uniform. That would fly off the shelf. I don't care, man. Make it Shohei Otani for the next five years. I don't even need a new cover athlete every single year. It should be Otani until further notice. When he stops winning MVPs, then maybe we can get a new cover athlete, okay? Do special editions, do the one where they have the cool artwork. So I liked your take right there. I was pretty surprised to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does have a new teammate, and his name is Justin Turner. Justin Turner has signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to talk about that 
and what that means for the Dodgers in the future. So it was reported this morning that JT has signed with the Toronto Blue Jays in. I has a great pickup for the Blue Jays. It's a one-year deal. You guys know the saying. We always talk about it. No such thing as a bad one-year contract. And I think for Justin Turner, you look at the contract and where he's at at this point of his career, 38 years of age, someone who is close to 40, but is still a very, very productive hitter. The deal's worth $13 million. He can earn an additional $1.5 million with bonuses and incentives. So this is right around what I predicted he would sign for a couple months ago. The Blue Jays have been a team that's been in the mix for him. And we look at Justin Turner at this stage of his career. He's not someone that is going to be in the gold glove mix. There was a time with the Dodgers where he was in the gold glove mix and he was someone that was one of the better defensive first basements in the sport. That time has passed, okay? Father time is undefeated. He has lost a little bit of a step at the hot corner, but still he does provide some infield versatility. Last season, he played 58 innings at third base for the Red Sox, also played almost 30 innings at first base. So you brought up Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Maybe you'll see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. take some time off. JT can spell him there. And the most important thing is, though, you sign Justin Turner at this stage of his career, you're doing it for one reason and one reason only, and that is the man can still rake. JT is still one of the better hitters in the sport, and it doesn't look like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. Last season with the Blue Jays, JT slash 276, 345, 455, had a 114 weighted runs created plus, so he was 14% above league average. Also at 23 home runs. 23 home runs. Do you guys know Justin Turner's career high in home runs for a season? Well, it's 27. He did that twice. He did it once in 2016 and another time in 2019. So what you're going to get with Justin Turner is you are going to get someone who's guaranteed to be an above average hitter. His bat to ball skills are still some of the best in the sport. I like this for the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't think it's the big splash that a lot of them hope for. Of course, with them being in the mix for Shohei Otani, there was some talk that maybe they get Jorge Soler. JT's not going to hit for the same power as a Soler, but I think he does a lot of good things for this team. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking, of course, about JT, Ginger Jesus, a guy that has the lowest ERA as a pitcher in Dodgers franchise history. You don't believe me? Google it. Google Justin Turner's ERA. It's 0.00. I did a breakdown of that a couple years ago. And we'll probably drop that on our social today because that was good times, man. I love seeing JT go out there and take care of the Rockies like he did that day. But it got me thinking, Justin Turner's future, will he be back with the Dodgers as a skipper one day? We'll ask you guys over on Twitter. That is the Dodgers Nation Dodgers dugout poll question of the day. And that is, would you want to see Justin Turner take over as the Dodgers manager one day? And currently the poll sits at 74%, 74.7% of you say yes, 25.3% of you say no. So Justin Turner, could he be the Dodgers manager one day? Well, last year at his charity event, I asked him that question, and here's what he told me. A lot of fans tell me they want to see you as the manager of the Dodgers one day. Could you see yourself pursuing a management position, coaching position when your playing days are over? Well, they have a manager right now, and, yeah. and Dave, Dave's doing pretty good. So yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, when my playing days are over. I assume 
that Courtney's not going to want me in the house all day and, and want me to uh, be doing something in the baseball world. Um, and coaching is definitely an option on that list. Yeah. yeah. So I like what he had to say right there. I like that. First, he brings up, yeah, Courtney, she's going to not want me around the house. He does anticipate pursuing a career in coaching at one point when his playing days are over. But he also pointed out the fact that Dave Roberts is still the manager of the Dodgers, and he's doing a really, really good job. We're talking about a manager that's already won a World Series, that should have won two World Series if it wasn't for the Houston Trastros, a manager that took that 2018 team to that team that was clearly doing some Apple watch cheating during the year that helped them get an inflated record that helped them get home field advantage. If it wasn't for Kenley Jansen blew the lead there in game three, blew the lead there in game four. Maybe the Dodgers make that series interesting. Yes. You've seen him have serious moments where there's the rich Hills, the Clayton Kershaw's of the world where in 2019 you put in Clayton Kershaw against the Nationals. That wasn't the right decision. You take the ball to Rich Hill's hand in the 2017 and 2018 World Series prematurely. I mean, there's always going to be these moments that are magnified when managers get the call wrong, right? But you don't talk about when they get it right. You don't talk about what Dave Roberts does and his strengths. And really what his strengths are for this team are that he's a great culture builder. He's the ultimate culture builder in Major League Baseball. I always say he's the baseball version of David Goggins, and he's there to motivate his players. He's there to give them confidence. I've talked to a lot of these young players, James Outman and guys like that, Bobby Miller, guys like that, that say that the confidence that Dave Roberts gives them helps them go out and perform. And yes, it's easy to give your players confidence when they're having success. It's a whole other story when they're going through slumps, like what we saw with Max Muncy, like what we've seen with Chris Taylor during certain stretches, right? With some of the streakier Dodgers. Well, what Dave Roberts does in those situations is he continues to give them confidence. He continues to let them know that he believes in them, and that's what helps him. Now, as far as this season goes and the future of Justin Turner, I think Justin Turner would make a fantastic manager for the Dodgers. I think one day he will be back in blue, but it will be as a skipper. But I think Dave Roberts is going to decide when that is. I think it'll be Dave Roberts' decision when he wants to leave this team because I think that the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. If it's not next year, it'll be the year after that. But next couple of seasons, this team, as stacked as they are with the players that they have, with the ownership group at Andrew Friedman addressing needs along the way, this team is going to win another World Series, right? I know baseball is baseball. It's the most difficult sport to predict that, but you have to believe that this team is going to win another championship. And when the Dodgers do that, well, guess what? That means that number 30 for the Dodgers is going to be retired one day. And is it because of Maury Wills? It'll be because of Dave Roberts. And Dave Roberts wears number 30 because of Maury Wills, right? And Dave Roberts will make it to the Hall of Fame. He will get elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame as a manager one day because he'll have two World Series titles. He'll go down as one of the winningest managers in the history of the sport. That's what we have with Dave Roberts. And I always say this, Dave has to win two for him to win one with a lot of members of this fan base because whether it be people saying he has the keys to a Ferrari and he's playing with a stacked deck or how they feel about the 2020 World Series or how they feel like he should have more, whatever it may be, it's he only gets 
the blame if they lose. He doesn't get the credit if they win. And that will be the case this year more than ever because if the Dodgers go on to win the World Series and they cruise and they roll throughout the regular season, win the division, then they make it through the NLDS, make it through the NLCS and win the World Series, you're going to be talking about Shohei Otani and Mookie Betts and Yoshinobu Yamamoto and all these players that made it happen. You're not going to be talking about Dave Roberts. Only way you're going to be talking about Dave Roberts at the end of the season is if they do not win the World Series. So it's not an envious position to be in if you're Dave Roberts where, hey, he gets all the blame if they lose. He doesn't get any of the credit if they win. So that is the position that he's in. But I will say, as much as I do believe in Dave Roberts, and I do, definitely a big doc defender. I've seen Dave in the clubhouse. I've seen the way Dave interacts with players. I see the impact that he has on his guys and the fact that he does exactly what this team wants him to do. He does exactly what this organization asks him to do, and that is get guys to buy in. I mean, imagine having this many all-stars, this many future Hall of Famers, guys batting down the lineup that typically would be batting third or fourth, getting their numbers, getting more money potentially with other teams. That's never been an issue with Dave Roberts and his Dodgers team. And I think last year was one of, if not his best managerial season of his career. But having said all that, having waxed poetic about Dave Roberts, I will say that if for whatever reason... This season, the Dodgers are healthy, and they don't win. Let's say they get bounced in the NLDS. Let's say they get bounced in the NLCS. Let's say they collapse in the World Series after going up two games to nothing or three games to nothing. And you can point to some specific decisions that Dave Roberts had made. The reality of all this is that you're not going to trade Otani. You're not going to trade Mookie Betts, you're not going to find ways to get off of any of these other guys because they're the greatest players on the planet. There's not a lot of moves that you can make with your core, right? And you're not going to want to do that because they're the best players in the sport. The only thing you're going to point to is Dave Roberts. So he could be the scapegoat in all of this. So if the Dodgers don't win, Dave Roberts probably will be the guy that has to fall on the sword. Whether that's fair or not, that's just the reality that he faces heading into this season. But as far as Justin Turner one day, he's a baseball junkie, man. He is a baseball junkie. I've talked to him about this on numerous occasions. And this guy lives, breathes, eats, sleeps baseball 24-7. And look, I'll never forget JT and his time with the Dodgers. I mean, I remember his first hit, 2014, Sydney, Australia. First hit, Vince Scully talking about Justin Turner from Long Beach. I mean, I'll never forget that first game gets his hit and then he's going to be an etched in Dodger lore forever. I mean, not only was he one of the most productive players, it was a big part of this run for so many years, made two all-star teams, but who could forget 2017 game two of the NLCS three run home run off John Lackey to win that game and essentially put an end to that series before it got interesting and get the Dodgers back to the fall classic where they hadn't been since 1988. And mind you that happened on the anniversary of Kurt Gibson's home run that he hit off the Oakland A's in game one of the world series. And Justin Turner talked about it growing up in LA watching Gibby's home run from his grandma's house and just the lineage and tradition of the Dodgers and him being etched in Dodger lore forever it's incredible. By the way, I'll never forget to Keith Hub. Keith Hub. You guys know Keith Hub, right? 
Keith Hupp is the man who went 12 feet to catch Justin Turner's home run on the fly there. One of the best home run catches in Dodgers fan history. There's no doubt about that. So JT, I love you. Congratulations on your new deal. Don't want to see you back in Dodger blue because it doesn't make a lot of sense right now. doesn't make sense right now. They're going to circle back, though. They're like Ben Affleck and J-Lo, right? Broke up, but it didn't make sense at the time. But then they get back together later in life, and they reunite, and it's going to be good times. He's going to be the manager of the Dodgers one day. I've also had players tell me that if it's not Justin Turner, it's Austin Barnes. It's Austin Barnes. Austin Barnes has fire. He knows the game, plays with passion. His teammates call him the captain, too. He's someone that will bite your ankles off, bite your kneecaps off. IV, just the grit, the dog in him. So I wouldn't rule out a Austin Barnes. And also, Chase Utley. Chris Taylor told me yesterday that Chase Utley is a player that he'll spend hours, hours trying to help his teammates out and that he wants to win as bad as any player that he's ever seen. So the Dodgers will have a lot of names to pick one from, but still, this is Doc's job. And if he wins another World Series, he's going to get Supreme Court justice status where he only leaves this job when he wants to. But let me know down below in the comment section, who do you want to see as the Dodgers one day after Dave Roberts? I'm sure you guys want to see him replaced right now, right? And I'm sure there's some Dave Roberts haters down below. Like I always say, you guys would blame him for the sinking of the Titanic. But let's go. We got uh, Escape from Kenley That's from Mr. Midnight. That's a fire one. Like Affleck and JLo LOL. What up, Jerry, over there on YouTube? Appreciate it. By the way, Universal Studios on Saturday. Universal is cool. I thought the Mario Kart ride, I was so excited for that. It was overrated, man. It was not, not as good as I wanted it to be. And I'm the biggest Mario Kart guy. They did a little Rainbow Road in there, but wasn't a big fan. Yes, it was probably because I only got like 20 points and the eight-year-old next to me got like 200 points in the game. And I was a little bitter about that. But just want to say that Met a lot of you guys at Universal Studio. Came up to me, talk about the show. Want to give a shout out to Carlos. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Who came up and uh, wanted me to give him a shout out. So, yeah, it's cool to meet some of you guys. I'm sure I'll meet some of you guys this Saturday at Dodgers Fest as well. But uh, when the time comes, JT and AJ Ellis. I like the AJ Ellis. That's a good pull right there from Jerry over on YouTube. John Porter, Barnes, Utley, and JT, all local boys. No coincidence. Yeah. Chase Utley, another UCLA Bruin, also went to San Francisco High School in La Cañada. The silver fox and we got uh 199 super chat we need a new super chat winning song play that one though. how about that one a super chat from noah ortega 2025 yamamoto sasaki otani glass now miller talk to someone about sasaki this morning and uh yeah that's all i'm gonna say dodgers have as good of a chance as anyone to bring in oh to bring in sasaki and if you think that opposing fan bases are bitter now if you think they're mad now they're gonna be even more mad. They're going to be the all-time haters if the Dodgers get Sasaki for a a international signing pool bonus and a minor league deal. You're talking about a $300, $400 million value for less than $10 million. So, yeah, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but 
Ah, uh, just imagine. Just look at this dream rotation. You got Otani back. You got Yamamoto coming off a rookie of the year and a Cy Young win. And you got a Sasaki, a Bobby Miller, a Tyler Glass now. I mean, just it's unbelievable. It's an embarrassment of pitches. The murderers rotation. But uh, trade Roberts for a Target gift cards. That was that wasn't very nice, was it, Noah? Said he wants to trade Dave Roberts for Target gift cards. Come on now. We got Joe Kelly as skipper as must-see TV. Brian, how about Joe Kelly as like the pitching coach? How about Joe Kelly as the pitching coach? Imagine that. An all-former Dodger staff. D-Mac as bench coach, A-Ray 22. I'd have, you know, as soon as we got down, I'd, you know, I would grab the bat and say, I'm going to do this damn thing myself, go to the plate, and then proceed to strike out. But bring back JT. That's for metal. We got Hey BC. What up, Michael Correa? Rock with us as always. Showtime LA. If Kenley comes back, over under four and a half heart attacks cause. That's a fire take. That's actually a finish him, to be honest. But uh, Dave has two seasons to win a chip. If he doesn't, I don't think the Dodgers bring him back past 25. Go Dodgers. Living doors way. Yeah, that's essentially what I said. If you're going to change something, you're not moving off from Otani because why the hell would you ever even entertain that thought? Freddie Freeman, Mookie, all these guys, their core is intact. Their core is locked up throughout the remainder of the primes of their careers. If you're going to make a change... It's going to come at the coaching spot, right? It's going to come at the managerial spot. Maybe you flirt would change the hitting coaches or the pitching coaches, something along those lines. But you could see, depending on the outcome and how they lose, I don't think it's necessarily if they lose, it's how they lose and what series they lose. But let's all, look, it's, it's freaking February, man. <laughs> let's keep the vibes high. We're winning it all. When's the parade? That's the only thing. I mean, get that parade route mapped. Uh, that's up to Chiba to post Sasaki early. Yeah, I dropped a video on Roki this weekend, did a deep dive the weekend before that. So if you want to check those out, we will uh, talk about those for sure on another show. Ricky Vasquez coming through with the 499 Super Chat. Puig for future manager, running out of the Dodger dugout like Lasorda used to. Yeah, Yasio Puig, he'd be the kick dirt on the opposing manager type for sure. I like that's a fire take. Puig as the manager. Puig as the manager. We got Geshmig. Dodgers 2024 rotation is going to have the NL, NL's lowest ERA. That's a fire take. So next topic we're going to talk about today is, I know you saw this. It was all over Dodgers social media. It's Shohei Otani working out at Dodgers Stadium. Shohei Otani, it feels like, does he even own... Maybe just that nice leather jacket he wore to the Rams game, but does he just own a bunch of Dodgers workout gear? Dodgers hats because this guy has been at Dodger Stadium all offseason putting in work and he's hungry. He's ready to win. I mean, the Dodgers have themselves not only the best player on the planet, but also the hardest working player on the planet. And you just see him at Dodger Stadium every single day, it feels like. And look, at this point, Shohei Otani should have his mail sent to 1000 Vince Gully Avenue because dude practically lives there. And this shouldn't come as a surprise if you know a little bit about Otani's past because this absolutely tracks for Otani because when Otani had already made it in the NPB, he was already icon legend status and he was making just, air quotes, just $2 million a year before endorsements, but he lived off a $1,000 allowance that his mom distributed to him. So his mom controlled his allowance and on top of that, most players in the MPB that are making that kind of money, $2 million, all the endorsements, you're on billboards all over the city. Most players like that, they're at least in a luxury condo. 
they're probably in a mansion at that point, not Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani spent all of his time at the ballpark, all of his time. In fact, if he ever wanted to leave the ham fighters dorms where he lived, he needed to get his clearance from his manager, Kuriyama. So he had, he lived in the dorms for the ham fighters. He lived in the dorms and then would go from the dorms to the ballpark. And if he ever wanted to leave the dorms, he had to go up to his manager, Kuriyama, the ham fighters manager to get clearance to leave. That is how dedicated this man is to baseball. This man is so dedicated to this sport and the success that he has, not just for himself, for his teammates, for his organization, that he's willing to just put in work every single day. So this is what happens. What happens when you get a player that's 6'4", that can throw 100 miles per hour, that can hit 40-plus home runs, that has elite sprint speed, that has every single tool that you could possibly want, and you combine that with this relentless work ethic? Well, you get the best player in the history of Major League Baseball, and his name is Shohei Otani. You get the unicorns. That is exactly what he is. And look, it gave me goosebumps, man, because look, the Dodgers already have a lot of players that have great work ethics, from Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez last year to Freddie Freeman. I mean, we've seen this team put in the work. They are a great organization about focusing on the process. They're a very process-oriented organization. And when I talked to Chris Taylor yesterday in an interview I'm going to drop later today, he told me that that's what really stands out when you watch Otani at the stadium. When you watch Otani at the stadium, it's the work in between the reps. It's how meticulous he is with every single detail. A lot of players, okay, I'll work. I'll go out there. I'll hit the cages, do tons of cage work. But with Otani, every single thing has a purpose. Every single element to the work he's putting in is calculated and has value. And that's why he's had the success that he's had. And also, another thing I want to talk about when it comes to Shohei Otani is this weekend, he was in New York accepting the MVP award. His Another MVP for Shohei Otani. And looking clean, too. That black tux. He was looking like a James Bond. It was like James Bond Otani, man. He was looking fire in that black tux. My man knows how to clean up nicely, right? And a lot of people were surprised that he did his entire speech in English. It was a prepared speech. He did it in English. He thanked the Dodgers for believing in him. He thanked the Angels organization. It was a very well-done speech for Shohei Otani. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways for me is... Well, one, why didn't he thank his dog in the speech? I thought that was kind of rude. Think that his dog was a little sad because he didn't thank Decoy in the speech. Come on, Otani. Got to thank your Dodger dog. But no, it is that moving forward, I think Shohei Otani is going to increasingly make himself available to the media, increasingly make himself available to fans. I think we are going to see sides of Shohei Otani that we just didn't see in Anaheim because one, he's on in a bigger market, on a bigger team. He's going to be in the postseason, right? When you're in the postseason, that's when the media rooms are filled to the brim, right? That's when the media rooms are absolutely packed like sardines. And as big as Otani is, if he's only talking to the media on days where he's pitching, yeah, you'll see a good amount of media in Anaheim, but that's small market, man. That is small market. This is the big times. This is the big times with the Dodgers. So he is going to have more opportunities to show sides of his personality, to give more insight to the player and person that he is. And I saw a couple days ago, Sarah Isabel V, she formerly covered the Angels for the Los Angeles Times. 
She said that one of the first roles I was told was Otani does, doesn't really do one-on-ones. Don't really speak to him. So she said that, that she was informed that Otani doesn't do one-on-one interviews and that you shouldn't speak to him. And sure, that's cool. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I don't fault Otani for how he was not available as much with the Angels because I think that was his training grounds, right? I think that's where he was putting in the work to become the player that he has become, which is the best on the planet, and get adjusted to life in the United States, get adjusted to the big leagues and the media. And yes, it would have been great. It would have been ideal. It would have been awesome if Shohei Otani was out there doing sit-down interviews and we knew all about this guy and he was talking more to the LA Times beat writers. Yeah, that would be ideal. But look, let's be honest here. Not all players are created equal. Superstars get superstar treatment, right? If Otani wants to say anything, then we have to accept it. If he wants to go out there and do specials and documentaries, which he did with Disney and ESPN, if he wants to go out there, he can do that. But at the end of the day, I think that this doesn't take away from his marketability, doesn't take away from his likability, it doesn't take away from his bankability, and I also think that it adds a certain layer of mystique to him. So look, look, hey, so what? You didn't get to talk to Shohei Otani as much as you wanted to. <laughs> Be happy for the time you did have with him because he doesn't owe anyone anything. And I think that with the Dodgers, it is going to be his permanent home, right? He understands the role he has, and the impact he can have on the game of baseball. And I think that he is going to embrace the media. I think he's going to embrace the fans more. And also people out there talking about, like I said, he did his whole speech in English. The reason why... He doesn't do more interviews and inter- in press conferences in English is not because he can't speak English or he needs a translator. He does that. He uses a translator on interviews for the Japanese viewers. You have to remember there's 112 million people in Japan that want as much Otani content as they can. So he's doing it for them so they can get all the Otani that they need. But hey, props to Otani. Like I said, I feel bad for his dog decoy. He didn't. He did not include his dog in his acceptance speech. I think that's the only thing he's ever done wrong because, hey, that dog absolutely deserves it. But coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout Live, we're talking about Kike Hernandez. Some of you guys want him back. Some of you don't. But I'm going to tell you how the Dodgers could get him back in Dodger blue. That's coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout Live. What up, Dodgers Nation? D-Mag here. I'm here to remind you that if you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news, rumors, hype videos, interviews, breakdowns, live streams, and more all year long. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to help the channel out, smash that like button. Also, you will not be eligible for any of our giveaways unless you are subscribed to the channel. So all you need to do to be eligible for all of our giveaways is just make sure that you are subscribed. We just gave away a brand new authentic Mookie Betts jersey valued at over $350. And we got tons of giveaways coming this offseason. So be sure to be subscribed so you are eligible to win. And as always, think blue, believe stadium their silence is deafening 136 israelis are still being held hostage by hamas bring them home
stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Blue, and please subscribe. So, Kike Hernandez, do you want to see the banana back in Dodger Blue? Well, we've got some info on that. Ken Rosenthal. He had in his piece a few days ago, he wrote, the Angels continue to show interest in free agent Kike Hernandez, but fear he prefers a return to the Dodgers, according to a source briefed on the team's discussion. So throw the Dodgers rumor meter. I'll give that a three Dodger dogs. And there is some serious smoke there. I think that Kike Hernandez would love to be back in Dodger blue. I think he'd love to be back there twerking in the dugout and being that clubhouse guy and someone that they can use off the bench. Now, the question is, though, if you look at the Dodgers roster, let's not forget the Tyler Glass now tax was Manuel Margot. He was someone that was included in that deal. He was someone that the Tampa Bay Rays included $2 million in that deal with Margot. You still have his contract on the books. There's a mutual club option. There's a mutual option for $12 million next season. But Manuel Margot is someone that you traded for. He was included in that deal. And you have to wonder what the Dodgers intend to do with him. Because if you look at his contract for the 2024 season, Margot is owed $10 million. And that's the base salary. Of course, the Rays include $2 million in that deal. You got a mutual option for 2025. The mutual option includes a $2 million buyout. So I'm including that's that's what you have to probably suspect. That's why that was included in the deal. But Look, I think it's very interesting because there's a couple things you could do with Manuel Margot. You could trade him. You could see if you could trade him for some lottery ticket level prospects. You're not going to get any top prospects for Manuel Margot, but could you find a team out there that would like him, a team out there that would trade for him? Because look, the reality with Manuel Margot is he's a decent player. He's a player out there that could help a lot of teams, especially when healthy. I mean, if you look at him versus righties last season, as a right-handed bat versus lefties, as a righty versus lefties, Manuel Margot slashed 281, 341, 420, had a 109 weighted runs created plus against righties and 82 weighted runs created plus, hit 244. So he's an above average defender in his career. He's someone that is an above average hitter against lefties. He can also spell James Outman in center if they try to go the platoon route. So you see Manuel Margot in the lineup starting in center field anytime there's a lefty on the mound. That's a route they could go. And there is a world out there where Manuel Margot has a better season at the plate than Kike Hernandez. But what Manuel Margot doesn't do that Kike Hernandez does do is he provides more versatility as a defender. He's someone you could play at shortstop, at second, and most importantly for this team, probably at third base. Now, Third base, of course, Max Muncy is going to be the starting third baseman. Yes, he's a below average defender. Yes, he struggles on that side. But offensively, what he provides, it justifies it. Now, do you look at that and say, well, we could also use Kike Hernandez. We can use him as a platoon out option there. He's a platoon option for the outfield. You can also have him in the infield. He also has intangibles. He's a crowd favorite. He's good in the postseason. Those are all things that you factor in. And the kind of contract that he would sign. Could you get him for two years, $10 million at $5 million a year? We compare that to Manuel Margot. You're paying him $10 million this year. So could you get two years of Kike Hernandez 
this year and the following season for what you could get one year at Emmanuel Margot. That's something else that you want to consider. I think that for me, it's a tough putt, man. It's a tough decision because Margot is someone that, yeah, I know he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Most he's ever hit in a season was 10. He had four last season, but Margot still when he's right, isn't above average bat. If you look at Kike Hernandez last season with the Red Sox, with the Red Sox, he was a 62 OPS plus 62 OPS plus. So it was 38 below 38 below league average last season with the Dodgers in 54 games, 185 plate appearances. He had five home runs, had 12 doubles and had a 95 OPS plus. So for the success that he had with the Dodgers, he was a much better hitter than he was with the Red Sox, but he's still grayed out as a below average bat offensively. Now, makes you wonder, though, if you could get a full season of Kike Hernandez with the way that he performed last season, maybe he could provide a boost. And then the playoffs roll around. You need a spark. He's that guy, right? We've seen the three home run games against the Chicago Cubs. We saw his home run that changed everything against Minter in game seven of the 2020 NLCS against the Braves. So look, get a 599 OPS with the Sox, a 731 OPS with the Dodgers against the D-backs though. Hey, the Dodgers offense, they were on a milk box missing, right? He was one of the few Dodgers that showed up. He goes three for eight, had three singles, provide a spark. I thought he should have gotten an opportunity earlier in that series. I like what he said before game three when he compared baseball to UFC. And he said that, look, the Dodgers took a big punch is for, on them to punch back. And he said that when you have a good UFC fight, it's when both fighters are going back and forth. He was ready for the fight. He was ready for a dog fight and he's got that dog and he's a player that absolutely has that. And you almost have to throw away his regular season stats because he has that mindset and mentality to be able to handle it in the postseason. So that's definitely on the table I it just makes you wonder, can you find a suitor for Margot? And how much do you value Kike's versatility in the infield? Because another way to think about this too is if Gavin Lux can get it done at the shortstop position, which I think that's a lot to ask him go full-time starters role as a shortstop for the entire season and not expect to see a good amount of Miguel Rojas, because I think you will. You also have Chris Taylor, who played 31 games at shortstop last season. Well, do you value his infield defense? Because I think that at third base, if you're going to spell Max Muncy, if you're going to do a late game substitution, you always have Miguel Rojas who can play third base as well. I see a comment down below asking me about Manuel Margot's postseason stats, and I have them right here. So that definitely, look, it's always a small sample size when you're looking at the postseason, and you always want to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, we've seen... Corey Seager looked like the best player in the history of baseball in the postseason. We see other postseasons where he looks like he does forgot how to baseball, right? But as a whole, four years, seven series, 26 games, 89 plate appearances. He has a 753 OPS in the postseason. He's hit five home runs. He's had one double. So Margot does not give you power. He just doesn't. And he can be an above average bat if the batting average is better and he has favorable matchups against lefties. But he does give you above average defense. I think his defense in the outfield, he was dealing with a little patella injury last year, a little knee injury that impacted his defense. And then also, there are his home road splits. And this is something that I think you want to consider, not just for 
Mark Gill, but also Teoscar Hernandez, right? Teoscar Hernandez, home road splits there at T-Mobile Ballpark for Seattle. He's a much better hitter outside of Seattle than he was inside of Seattle. And the same thing goes for Manuel Margot. Last season, Manuel Margot was a much better player outside of Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay. And he was a much better hitter against lefties. So at home last season, he had a 589 OPS on the road, a 771 OPS. We got Ben walking. What up, Ben? But look, I think you look at that. You hope that that's what he can give you. He hit 303 on the road. That's what Margot hit. He hit 303 on the road. So if you get that version of him, I think that he can help this team. But if you're hell-bent on getting Kike Hernandez back, maybe you could do just that. Because, look, the thing is, with Margot, I think if you're going to trade him, you probably have to trade away some prospects, right? Not top prospects, but you're going to have to attach some lottery ticket prospects for another team. And who would you trade? Because look at the 40-man roster. I mean, there are some trade candidates. You know how we feel about the catchers on this show. You got a lot of catchers, man. You got a lot of catchers on the 40-man roster. You got Smith. You got Barnes. You got Cartaya. You got Hunter Fiducia. Now, Hunter Fiducia is someone with all the catching talent in this organization. If you are not going to play Hunter Fiducia, well, you probably should trade him, right? He's not the youngest prospect. He raked at the minor league level for certain stretches. That's an option. So you have options out there if you want to make a trade, but that's how you get Kike Hernandez back. Because if you don't trade Manuel Margot, it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring back Kike because Kike is someone that needs to play or else you're going to see long streaks, long cold streaks. You don't want to see that. And it just makes you wonder. I mean, if I could have the truth serum, right? If you could do the truth serum for the organization, you know, one thing I would ask is like, okay, how do you really feel with Margot? Is Margot someone that you just had to include for a glass now and you're looking to move off him the first chance you get? Or is there something you've seen in him where you think that he can help you next season? That's kind of my big question. But I would love to see Kike Hernandez back in the Dodgers lineup. I mean, in the Dodgers, on the Dodgers bench, just providing anything he can because He's someone that in the years past, he won an opportunity to get 500 plate appearances to be an everyday player. He knows that that's not what he is, right? It's like when some NFL coordinators get jobs as head coaches and they fail miserably, Brandon Staley, right? When they're really a defensive coordinator. Sometimes they're career coordinators. Baseball players, sometimes they think they're everyday guys. They're not, right? You got movie actors, you got TV actors, right? I mean, everyone's built different. And he has a very defined role with this Dodgers team. Also has hitting coaches that are able to identify issues. He saw an issue with his hitting mechanics that they adjusted almost instantly. And that's what the Dodgers saw when they reviewed his tape from the Boston Red Sox. And that's one of the big reasons why they traded for him because they knew they could help fix him and make him a better hitter. So he's with an organization where he can succeed and they can optimize him. And I know with Kenley Jansen, I said, you know, you don't always want to get back with your ex. Sometimes getting back with your ex is like shopping at your own garage sale. You want to bring the trash back into the house. You want to take it out of the house. You want to take the garbage out, not bring the garbage back in. You want to reheat the McDonald's French fries, right? You want to put them in the microwave. But Kike Hernandez is a different story because the role they have for him, the potential that he has in, he is playoff Kike. Kiketober is a thing. We saw it last year. We've seen it before. Some guys you just want to be in the foxhole with, and Kike Hernandez is 100% that guy. Bring back Kike Hernandez if you can. Find a way 
it would be something that would help this team. And I think that he's a big culture guy. You need it. But uh, what are your thoughts on Kike Hernandez? We got JT on the plane to Toronto. That's from David E. It's a fire take. Fire take. <laughs> you guys are uh, going hard on that one. I see. We got uh, Dodgers all the way, baby. The only team to root for. There we go. Otani is the model Dodger. Wonderful attitude. Yeah. I mean, look at Otani's crazy. I mean, look at this guy. Look at this guy. I mean, new balance cleats. He brought a new balance to the Dodgers lineup. Is what I'm saying. The Dodger gear. I mean, look, Dodger blue makes everyone look better. But I mean, Dodger blue looks right on Otani. Watching Otani in Dodger blue is something I can watch forever. It's something that's just, it's a beautiful sight to see. And like I said, put in the work, meticulous. He should have his mail sent to 1000 Vince Scully Avenue because he practically lives there. But uh, 418 people on their bathroom break right now. What up, Beerus? Sama, yeah, sorry to your bosses as always. And by the way, if you really want to support the channel, smash that like button on your way, get, on your way out and also drop a comment down below. Lux for comeback player of the year. I like that. Tay. We got another super chat down below. Here we go. We got uh, room. We got no room for Kike. No room, Sam, but you can make some room. Me, Mr. Midnight, we need Kike, not just his versatility, but his presence. Great clubhouse guy and always hustling. I got jams. What do I got jams? Otani knows English because in many instances, he's ready to answer questions before the interpreter relays it in Japanese. DMAC, what up, 818? Adam, we got uh, don't need a twelve million dollar cheerleader. That's right. I got cheer. I got jams. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't need the Hanser Alberto. Man, Hanser Alberto was the DJ Khaled of the Dodgers. What does he really do? Right. That's what he was. Uh, here we go. Max needs to. We got the Mark is Muncie on the dirt off this in the off season. I don't see him. Mark Allen. Max Muncie is a tireless worker, but it's interesting. I mean, I, that's one question we'd ask Max Muncie this Saturday at Dodger Fest is how much work did you put in defensively? Was that the focus? How big of a focus? Did you make any adjustments? Did you change anything with your offseason routine defensively to help you have more success? Because look, range is a factor. Okay. That really is something that's tough to develop when you're aging, right? DMAG, where's my signed hat from Hugh Morris? Have you hit me up in my, in my DMs? Because I'm talking to my hat dude from hat launch, Patrick bone, it's his name, Patrick Bone. And we're going to try to get some some more hats for you guys. So keep reminding me, though, because we're working on it. Trust me. Can't have it overnight. Get rid of Ferguson Investio. Super chat here. $20 super chat from the right field pavilion. This team has so many. Otani won't pitch in 2024 and has zero playoff experience. Yamamoto has zero experience in Major League Baseball. We have a large percentage of our starters that have had major injuries. Why are we as fans so confident in this team? I love that take because the pessimist in me has asked that same question, those same questions throughout this offseason. There are a lot of questions. More questions than episode of Jeopardy. We look at the rotation, but the potential is there. The upside is there. On paper, the talent level is there. And Yamamoto, that's the big one. If Yamamoto early on, he looks anything near the Yamamoto and the MPB, Dodgers are golden. They have themselves a top 10 surefire ace. If glass now can stay healthy, if he can continue to perform at a high level where stuff wise, he's a top 10 pitcher in baseball, but he hasn't made more than 120 innings in a season. He's never made more than 21 starts. Glass now has been glass man for certain stretches, but I think that 
a lot of that had to do with that arm injury, and he got that corrected, and he's in a great place. I talked to Glass now earlier this season, and he told me that his goals are to surpass his innings totals career high and his starts career high. So he's as healthy as ever been from a physical standpoint. I think Glass now is going to be just fine. But look, this team has a lot of talent, and it's that part of the season, right? We're the Sydney Sweeney hot ones meme. We're looking at smiling, thinking about this Dodgers lineup right now. Will that be the case? Will we look more like the uh, Sydney Sweeney crying in euphoria face in October? Maybe that'll be the case. But right now, hope springs eternal in February. Okay, that's why we're so positive. A-Ray 22, working from home, loving this live stream. Boom! What up, A-Ray 22? Nando, Nando 390. We got uh, Muncie steps off third base bag and is out of breath. Ouch, ouch. Wow, come on now. We got Nando's always bringing the the bras, but I but I, I dig it though because I like I like the fire takes I like the burns, um, but uh, we got my guy Nando. The reason why I say Nando like that, by the way, is you guys know of course the Padres broadcaster Don Orsillo, who's always like Nando for Fernando Tatis Jr. Couple more here, guys. Then we are going to head out of this one. So bring your fire takes, your hottest Dodger takes, hottest questions. We're also going to be setting up a mailbag episode for every Wednesday. So if you have any questions you want to see me answer, drop that down below in the comment section, and you will be featured on an upcoming episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. Blade, one of my best friends from elementary school, his name was Blade. DMAC, where are the Angels playing if they're actually coming into L.A.? New MLB Stadium, perhaps? Yeah, I think, look, the Angels, to me, I always consider them almost like the Brooklyn Nets of baseball potentially. I think they're a sleeping giant. I really do. I think under the right ownership, you're going to get free agents there. Look what the Clippers have been able to do, right? They are the MLB Clippers with a championship, right? That's who they are. And I think that uh, if they were owned by the right team with the right leadership, they could have success in this league. As far as their stadium, I don't think it's that big of an issue. I mean, it needs to be upgraded. It definitely needs to be upgraded. And that A, we know that stands for most years. We get to Otani is the type of guy who would definitely carry the little plastic bag and pick up after decoy guest make. Absolutely. He's 100% where there's no one around. He still picks up the dog poop. He's the guy that returns his shopping cart all the way to the shopping carts. When he grows grocery shopping, Noel says he never does that. I say he leaves the, the shopping cart right next to cars and cars hit it and it's messed up. But we got beers. I have a feeling glass down will stay for the most part healthy this season. Dodgers have a better coaching staff than the Rays. Great point. I wouldn't say better as far as development, but I think that it's a better situation for him. Joel Rodriguez, Doug, look, the reality is when our past reality becomes true present reality, then all preceding realities will become a reality. And that's the reality of all realities. What's your take? It's a fire take. That's the comment of the show, actually. And yeah, that's, you got me on that one. Now, the reality is that that's an absolute reality. And we could span to different realities and look at all these realities. But the truth is, that uh, you just hit that one on the head. And I will say the truth about Shohei Otani and the Dodgers and signing him is that the truth is that it's great for baseball. What was bad for baseball was having him on the Angels where he doesn't make the postseason. Muncie over under batting average of 210. That's from Ray Soto. Good question. Fair question because Max Muncie is someone who for long stretches of the season, he's going to have more doubles than singles, right? More home runs, more extra base hits. And I think for me, the number I'm focused on with Max Muncy is not his batting average because batting average is not what teams are looking at, right? 
It's weighted runs created plus OPS plus. It's how you produce offensively as a whole. But he did hit 212 last season. I think there's a chance he could be under that, but still hit 30 home runs. So that's the most important thing is does he get 30 home runs? How good or bad is his defense? But we'll get into we'll talk some months tomorrow. I'll save that. What's up with the Dodgers fest if it rains? Danny Cortez, better get those ponchos out and get those umbrellas. Probably don't own one if you are in Los Angeles. But uh, is it supposed to rain this weekend? Yeah, it's going to rain Saturday. Okay. All right. It's going to rain on Saturday. It's going to be good. We'll wear my Dodgers poncho. Uh, JT got embarrassed with the high heat in the playoffs. He's even older now. It's from Dagger Dog. Yeah, he definitely struggled with high velocity in the playoffs against Roberts and Suarez. I mean, definitely struggled. But the Dodgers will dominate all aspects of the season. Angels have one chip. Strippers, zero. That's what I said. I said the Angels are the Clippers with the championship. Roy Estrada, but also they don't have the richest owner on the planet. That's what I'm saying. They have the potential to be. Artie Moreno, he's a clueless owner for the most part. Uh, Showtime LA, Los Deferred should have been on the cover. Agree, Lance Lynn just gave up another home run. That's from Noah Ortega. And that is where we're going to end this show. I supposed to do one more from Anthony Smiley over on YouTube. Says, got to bring back Kike, Hercules, Hercules, Hernandez. How about Swelling Sausage? If Max Muncy wins a gold glove, that will be the biggest shocker ever. Swelling Sausage. Sausage. Yeah, that uh, that would be a pretty big, pretty big shocker right there. I definitely agree with that. I think it's a better, probably a better chance of uh, Lance Lynn winning a Cy Young next season or not giving up any home runs than that. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Like I said, drop those questions for our mailbag episode. We're going to start doing on Wednesdays. So drop those down below. Also, if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to do so. Subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. And if you really want to support the channel, hit that like button. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. Nando 390 says he hates his wife, but hey, all I care about is you love the Dodgers. That's going to do it. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.